everybody. You're tuning in to Mad About It. I'm your host, Becky. Becky with the good hair, aka me, aka Mad About It. It's just me, you know what I mean? <laughs> if you've been here before, then you know. Um, but <laughs> uh, if this is your first time, hello, how you doing? Uh, I am back from the longest hiatus I've ever had. I don't want to be you know, going for some sort of, like, worst podcaster ever award, but I do seem to be lining up for (laughs) top five worst queer podcasts. Um, Speaking of which, if somebody wants to put me in a list of that, that would be wonderful. Uh, I think that would help my traffic tremendously. So, um, I, I have been absent. I had top surgery. It went spectacularly well. Uh, I think... If I was like the rest of the queer online uh, content creator engine, I would uh, just make an episode about my top surgery and about how awesome I feel and how uh, wonderful my life is, or I'd make some sort of like Instagram reveal. I did post a picture of myself. I did. I did do that, which, to, to be honest, is against 100% of my rules. But I, I did I did post a picture, and we'll get into that later. But I did post a picture, and I mean, you know, I would I would have some sort of mo- healing montage, you know what I mean? But to, 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 I'm just gonna level with you. As somebody who recently was cut in half, I can't imagine uh, making videos about that while it is happening. And I also can't imagine the sorts of behavior that I used to see as so normal. Now it's like, what the fuck are these people doing? Like, why are you taking so many pictures of yourself after major surgery? It's like very strange to me. Um, I I will I will say that there there are so many more trans stories out nowadays that I'm seeing a lot more people that I identify with. The sort of person that doesn't. Um, the sort of person that doesn't post pictures of them with their drains, not because of anything other than the fact that it's really gnarly and most people don't want to see it. You know, like most people don't want to see it. Um, but this episode, this episode is pretty much dedicated to things that people don't want to see. Um, I have really struggled with what this podcast is. I've really struggled with what it is I'm doing. And that's been a big part of why I haven't had an episode. Um, I don't want to be yet another photo timeline. I don't want to be, this is my voice, 2.6 months on T. I, or like, you know what I mean? I, I don't want that. I don't think it helps. Um, I think, you know, if you're really, <laughs> if you're really that obsessed with the different stages of testosterone, you are trying to control it in your own way. Um, for me and my own journey, I have had to, to step back and accept I can't control the effects of my hormone medication the same way I could never control the effects of my estrogen. So, you know, <laughs> none of us choose the way that we look. That's just a fact. That 
What I don't understand is that people seem to confuse. Uh, I'm transgender. I my body now uh, matches the way I feel inside. They seem to confuse that with I'm transgender. I communicate everything about myself with my image. Uh, this is how I express myself with my appearance. And I did go on a series of rants in the last few episodes about how much I don't like people that do that. And I I think that might have been part of my own perception. But the truth is, is that everyone is doing that. It's not just trans people. Everyone thinks that their body says more about them than it actually does. And as a as a trans person, I understand that the way my body used to look has no reflection on who I am and has no reflection on uh, anything other than just you know the chromosomes that I was born with and the hormone patterns that resulted from those messages that's that's that I understand that but there has been a bit of a miscommunication um, with some people at the kindergarten level <laughs> I don't I don't know if that's I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but at the kindergarten level, some people got it wrong. Uh, some people didn't have people that that were like, "Hey, you can't assume everything about somebody by the way they look. That's not how the world works. You shouldn't be racist. You shouldn't be sexist. You shouldn't be visualist. Do you know what I mean? Because quite literally, what at the end of the, what is race, sex, gender?" sexual orientation, what are these things? These are behaviors and appearances that people perceive. Um, so what else do people perceive that affects the way that they walk through society? Their weight. Um, there are infrastructural boundaries that apply to your weight, and there are also... Um, a multitude of social social laws around your weight and your body and uh, what your weight and your body and your quote health have to do with you as a person you as a soul it goes back centuries uh, the idea that healthy body healthy mind healthy spirit these things are more than just uh, ideologies, you know what I mean? These are practices and cultures and religions, and it translates, it filters down into absolutely everything the exact same way that all of the other forces in society work. Uh, to say that, and I'm just going to put it out there, you know, I write a lot of poems about fat. I write a lot of poems about weight. I write a lot of poems about how people perceive 
weight in society and how people perceive weight related to gender, how people perceive people as uh, more or less valuable. Uh, from what I I can tell in the in the trans online community is there seems to be a consensus that being transgender puts you in a riskier demographic of society that is a that is a fact that people share and share and share and share and share uh, you're more likely to have healthcare discrimination you're more likely to have relationship discrimination you're more likely to have workplace discrimination. You're more likely to experience discrimination of all shapes and sizes in your transgender life simply because you are transgender. We know this because of people who have spoken up about it and the extent to which we listen to them. Now, black people have been harassed and murdered and tortured and raped and enslaved for hundreds and hundreds of years and they're still being murdered by police on a regular basis you know has that behavior increased or is the extent to which we are listening to black perspective increasing and that angers the people who've been silencing them for the longest you know it doesn't anger anybody that uh, that doesn't silence black people actively. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, so, uh, the reason I'm 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 bringing all this up <laughs> uh, is, you know, I've seen so much content on the trans online community and I've seen a lot of shit on reddit I've seen a lot of shit on tumblr I've seen a lot of stuff uh, you know why is it that a community of people who's so proudly anti-racist who's so proudly anti-classist who's without doing anything about it uh, who's so proudly uh supposedly anti-sexist who are all supposedly just like you know perfect idyllic uh uh progressive gems to society that's the, I, to, if that's not what the message is then like you know what i mean like just there's there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of that going around you know what i mean at, at, to the point where i don't know queer culture really to me is starting to seem like a forgiveness pass i've i've shared this as a meme but i've also it's really once you start to see it you just can't unsee it it's like um uh people use like well i can't be racist and i can't be uh sexist and i can't be Fatphobic. I can't be any of these things because I am a member of a minority demographic who is enlightened. <laughs> if you haven't met a gay person like that, then you must not have really met gay people. Because I I know one of those in every in every shape and size, uh, and. 
what really alarms me is that you can you can get away with a, quite a bit of shit. You can get away with quite a bit of shit. You can be a chain-smoking alcoholic meth head and uh, no one will reproach you about your behavior as long as you're thin and white and rich. Like, that, that is the fucking truth. If, as long as it doesn't show, <laughs> then you're good. Because in the queer community, more than in the mainstream society, the way you look means something. It's how you it's how you express your gender. It's how you express your sexuality. It's how you express your everything. I've seen, you know, and I, I get it. There are some very savvy, fashionable people who truly express themselves with their appearance. But to me, as a weird, fat, outsider kid who knew that something was wrong from the moment they set a foot on this fucking earth. It's never been helpful to me to hear the messages basically just love yourself enough to be beautiful and then other people will love your beauty too. That's essentially what the gay community is constantly shoving down people's throats. That if you don't look like somebody from Queer Eye, you don't have self-esteem. And it's kind of getting to the point where I, you know, not only do I not want to review Queer Eye season anything, but I just don't want to be associated with people who equate self-esteem with appearance. Um, people who equate health with appearance. People who equate gender with appearance. People who equate fucking everything with appearance. Because the, the unfortunate side effect of people who equate everything with appearance is a bunch of shallow, fatphobic dipshits who don't love diversity and who don't appreciate each individual's beauty. So I think it's relatively appropriate that I that I waited until I felt, uh, you know, honestly, just enough strength, enough, you know, sort of fortitude uh, to have this conversation. It's a very difficult conversation for me to have. I, uh, I as a child, had Cushing syndrome when I was very, very young, when I was about like six or seven years old. And I have been extremely sensitive to medications my whole life. And uh, this experience made me have stretch marks, big, thick, purple stretch marks all the way up to my tits. Um, they have uh, given me, it's given me a, a large hump behind my neck and it gives me a moon face. So it also makes it very difficult for me to lose weight. I'm not trying to get any sort of sympathy. I'm not interested in any sort of pity. If you think that that is what I'm trying to get, 
from talking about this. Um, that is that is part of the problem. You are part of the problem. I'm just gonna put it out there. You are you are a huge part of the problem. If somebody tells you their truth, and you think, "Wow, you are trying to emotionally manipulate me," you are part of the problem because that's my truth, and I don't. I'm not looking for anything other than an acknowledgement of my truth. To be honest, the, the whole pity, sympathy thing, that's really irritated me my whole life. Because an, an unfortunate side effect of Cushing Syndrome is that you have very brittle bones and you have a ton of other health problems. Um, my thyroid doesn't work. Uh, my bones are, like, my feet are too small for my, like, whole body, no matter what gender. Like, I, I understand, like, I'm a trans man, so I have, like, insecurities about the size of my feet, you know what I mean? But I, I have too small feet. Um, I have weird problems, and I have had a very easy time being injured because of my excess, uh, cortisol. And it's not really something that I'm interested in sympathy or pity about. When you give someone sympathy or pity, you think that person is in need of something from me. You know what I mean? I don't need anything from anyone. I quite literally am just stating what happened. <laughs> this is <laughs> just stating what happened. Um, so, uh, when I was a kid, I broke my bones really easily. That, that's, that's the, I broke a lot of bones and I always had a cast and people would give me sympathy and I swear to God, I, after a while and I got in trouble because I threatened to hit people with my cast all the time because I hated the fucking people coming over and a lot of people they'll be like oh I, you've got a cast and I make a mural on your cast can I sign can I sign like a whole section of your cast you know I broke my leg in two places and there was this girl in the class who just fucking she could not handle how excited she was to draw all over my fucking leg and you know what I mean after a while you're just like I want to kick this lady in the face you know, <laughs> and <laughs> it has absolutely nothing to do with sympathy and pity. It's quite literally just things that happen to you that then other people are now changing the way that they behave around you. No one ever thinks about what it's truly like from the perspective of the person who's just stating the truth. And I think that this is personally, I, I see this all the time with Black Lives Matter and with uh, basically any civil rights movement, people just kind of go, well, what are you trying to get? Why are you trying to get our sympathy? Why are you trying to get our pity? Like, what the hell? I don't think they're trying to get sympathy or pity. I think they're just trying to get black people from, like, you know, to stop hunting them in the streets. I think they're trying to just, like, let Ahmed Arbery go for a jog. You know, I, I don't understand. Like, Arbery didn't want your fucking pity or your sympathy. He just wanted to go for a fucking run. You know, I didn't I didn't want any sympathy or pity. I just wanted to go to school and have people not climb all over me and draw all over me. It's not a comparable thing. I'm not saying it's comparable. I'm just explaining that this is my perspective 
These are things that happen to me. There are real things that happen to people that make them fat. Roxane Gay talks about this extensively. Um, she had trauma and her weight was a way of coping with the trauma. You can read her own story to get her own information. Um, I don't want to tell Roxane Gay's story for her. To be honest, the, the more I listen to old pep episodes of the podcast, the more it's just like, Jesus fucking Christ. You know, in my defense, I do have intracranial pressure problems. I know that that's, that's I'm just trying to say, and now they're totally managed. You know what I mean? Like, I think you can, you can be really telling, even just the tone of my voice, how much less uh, on edge I am from having healed from these issues. Um, and that, you know, healing, healing from problems that you've never had is such an enormous privilege that people don't seem to understand. Um, and again, all of this comes down to fat phobia. There are so many degrees in which we are exposed to fat phobia. It is so pervasive that I'm not sure uh, people really understand that it's even like a bad thing. Actually, I know that they don't. I know that they don't understand that it's a bad thing. Because the truth is, when you when you look around and you and you actually pay attention to what people are saying, and if you actually pay attention to what people are uh, saying with their with their IRL mouths, they think that the body positivity movement is dangerous, enabling, uh, crazy, and a lot of people. Now I know this is gonna sound a bit like the pot calling the kettle black, but there's a there's a difference between uh, being triggered and uh, like having trauma, like being triggered in like a parody sense is what I mean. You know what I mean? Like there are legitimate trauma triggers, and then there's uh, people accusing other people of being triggered. You know what I mean? In my lived experience, nothing triggers people more than implying that you can be healthy and fat at the same time, or implying that a fat person can improve their health and still be fat, and they are not in dire danger. <laughs> there is this uh, omnipresent... Uh, very pervasive, extremely popular belief that being obese on its own causes significant horrible diseases. Um, like type 2 diabetes and uh, heart disease and high blood pressure and, uh, you know, basically... Uh, to be honest with you, I'm just going to love you. They, <laughs> the real reason why it's it's so easy for me to laugh at this is because all of the issues that they accuse me of having are issues that I, in fact, do not have. I have just about every other kind of issue, <laughs> but I don't have an issue with 
any of the stereotypical diseases associated with fat people. I am not even pre-diabetic. I've never been pre-diabetic. And I don't have high blood pressure. I actually have really healthy blood pressure. I get my blood pressure taken a lot. It's like 115 over 72 usually. Um, and uh, if you want to know specifically, I actually just looked it up. I paused. Uh, my A1C is 4.8. And uh, I weigh a little over 300 pounds. I've weighed more than this. I've also weighed a little less than this. I've weighed about 250. Um, but when I was in sixth grade, I weighed about 230 pounds. So I, um, when I hit puberty, I gained, uh, even more weight, but I have Cushing syndrome. You know what I mean? Like this is something that I know, um, it has, really seriously impacted my metabolism. I have talked to endocrinologists about it. They are all confident that this just goes away um, when the source of the cortisol goes away. And I've been checked many times in many different ways for uh, a pituitary tumor um, which would be the non-intractable version of uh, the disease which makes it Cushing's disease there's a difference between Cushing's syndrome and Cushing's disease um, but Cushing's syndrome can be caused from medications but it can also be caused from alcoholism depression anxiety sleep apnea um, chronic stress of kind of any sort so it's pretty difficult to be trans and to be struggling with this pain and also be dealing with a stress-based disease that kills your whole body. <laughs> um, and for people to be like, okay, the solution is no steroids, no drugs, and just try to relax. <laughs> But you can't relax because uh, it's a horrible, it's a horrible condition. It's a horrible condition. Um, it's really hard. To, it's really hard to relax uh, when you're standing on two small feet. <laughs> I'm doing it right fucking now. It's it's fucking uncomfortable. But um, I just I laugh because because I've come so far. Like that's what I'm laughing at. I'm laughing because like all of the pain and all of the tears and all of the failed attempts at this episode are i'm just like sitting at like a midway peak with a snack looking out over the range and like seeing old versions of myself barf on the on the switchbacks that's <laughs> that's what it feels like it feels like it feels like i'm taking my break finally i finally got a break top surgery gave me a fucking break Oh my gosh, I can't even explain it. Like, the, the moment, the moment I woke up from surgery, I was like, oh my god, it's over. <laughs> and then, I tell you, the first time I got up, I can't even, I still get emotional thinking about that first time. Um, 
And that even the first time I got up, I was like, I don't believe that this is what it's really gonna feel like. And but when they unwrapped me, and there was no binding on my chest at all, and then I got up, I just lost it. I was just completely overwhelmed with joy. Um, man. But that was a it was a hard thing to go through, you know. And I was so worried about top surgery for so many reasons. <laughs> I was worried about the stress. I was worried about um, my pre-existing conditions. I was worried about whether or not I would make it through the surgery. I was, to be honest, still anxious and still upset and still angry about my first failed consultation and surgery appointment. I'm not sure if I've, I'm not sure if I've even told you all about this, um, but the first surgeon that I went to, I had a consultation in person, we secured a deposit in person, he told me that he would uh, do the procedure, I weighed the same that I weigh now, then I was... Uh, very sick then. I, I, this was pre, this was pre, uh, intracranial pressure intervention. So I was very sick and he okayed me for everything and we got all queued up. And then I had my cerebral pseudotumor and, uh, I chose to delay the surgery for that reason for six more months. I chose to delay that surgery. And then I talked to him in person for a two-week-before-surgery consultation. And he tells me that his anesthesiologist refuses to operate on me because she after having never met me, has decided that I am too fat and too sick and that I need to take care of myself before I'm able to go to surgery. But the thing is, folks, is that I take care of myself tremendously. I, I have a, a, a great uh, task ahead of me. As far as things I have to take care of, I have a, I have a tremendous tremendous list and I spend a lot of time and energy on my health a tremendous amount of time and energy on my health um, I walk I cook at home I eat vegetables I garden I do all the things I have a food scale a portion control I don't you know what I mean this is just the 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 extent to which I care about my health is always criticized and never respected when it comes to the weight, the number, the BMI, the number on the chart, the data on the chart. There is something about uh, weight in healthcare that becomes a number 
and it becomes a BMI, and it becomes a trackable lack of or amount of progress. Everything that you do with a doctor is being tracked for your weight progress. So it doesn't matter how committed you are to exercise unless that exercise translates to a loss in weight. If if there isn't a number that backs up your claim, then your claim is bullshit. And there is an increasing amount of data and increasing amount of studies that show that exercise does not significantly contribute to weight loss and that exercise alone is very healthy for you but it's not going to translate to a body transformation um, on its own and the benefits from weight loss do not translate uh, necessarily in weight or physique. Um, they they're they are noticed in your they're in, noticed in your in your blood for the most part. So you know if your if your motivation to exercise is to lose weight, you're probably going to get very frustrated and not stick to it. Um, and I learned that a long time ago um, when I was a kid, you know, my parents, they did not diagnose me with anything. They diagnosed me as a fat, um, as a fat kid. And they just kind of locked the fridge and they, they sent me to fat camp and I went to a child nutritionist as a kid. And, um, I had a lot of heavy-handed medical intervention as a child because of my weight, and it wasn't until I was about 28 years old that I got diagnosed with Cushing Syndrome. Um, through my own photographic evidence uh, that I assembled, because it's really remarkable the difference between me before the steroid medications and after the steroid medications, and if you time date everything, it's it's impossible to deny so that's how I found my diagnosis to begin with but the truth is is that I was um, treated just like any normal fat kid uh, for my entire life and that was an incredibly traumatizing experience um, There is no version of being fat in which people encourage or allow you to exist and look the way that you do. There's no version of that. Um, I see all the time people are afraid of body positivity because they think that body positive activists are encouraging weight gain and that they are encouraging um, unhealthy lifestyles. Um, I think a, a big part of why I didn't want to make this episode before I felt like I could really fend for myself is that um, I, I will always be dieting and exercising simply because I, I have never experienced thinness. I have, I have always been 
severely morbidly obese. I have, I have, I have never experienced um, not being fat and sick. I would really like to uh, to minimize what happened to me against my will through the medications as much as possible. That's what I would like to do. Not for the sake of how I look, but just for the sake of function and for travel and for uh, the ease of going about the world. Because in my lived experience, my weight has been used as a weapon against me at every single opportunity. Uh, I don't think that there's ever been something that I've done where my weight has not negatively impacted how people perceive me and how people, how receptive people are going to be to me, my thoughts, my ideas, simply based on my body and my my face, my fat face. Um, again, that I say that not as an insult. I say that as a truth. You know, the Cushing syndrome gave me a fat face. I have a fat face. Um, to be a fat-faced person is different to even to be like Lizzo is not a fat-faced person. I have tremendous love and respect for Lizzo, but a huge part of why Lizzo is so successful is that her face is still attractive to thin people because it still reminds them of a thin person's face. It looks like a thin person's face on a fat person's body. So my face doesn't look like that. My face kind of looks like a, a someone fatter than I am on a smaller body, to be honest. Um, uh, so that that's always that's been my experience. Um, I I I and I, it's taken me a really long time to realize this, but this this perspective is exactly uh, who needs to be talking about fat issues. Someone who has a perfectly healthy A1C, who you know isn't the fattest person in the entire world, but experiences fat discrimination as if they are simply because my syndrome stacked fat in all of the most visible most rejectable places you know my own family rejected me for my for my weight and yeah again you know when you, when when you mention that it's not a truth that you're stating it's your attempt as a fat greedy like lunatic to emotionally manipulate everybody that you meet. I'm not trying to emotionally manipulate fucking anybody. I'm simply telling my life story. I've been trying to focus more on that for the podcast, not because of anything other than I think it's fucking rude to speak for other people, to put words in other people's mouths. I think it's fucking rude. So I, 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 I don't want other people to put words in my mouth. So I'm just going to keep running it until all of the words have come out of my mouth. <laughs> and once I'm done, you know, you can't you can't shove any more in because there's all the words I took. I stated the claim, you know what I mean? Anyway, but I I've been writing a lot about fat phobia. So maybe maybe it's time to take a break. <laughs> I've been thinking about this and uh, I think it might be better to put little poems in the podcast because I write a, a tremendous amount of these poems. And I, I also, I, you know, I write the poems as I would say them. So I should probably just fucking perform the poems. Wouldn't you think? I mean, that would make sense. So I wrote this poem called uh, Fatphobia 
climate carbon. I've made yet another outline and at this point it's like the more I plan the farther I get away from the point of landing. I just keep drifting out into a sea of pain each time I try and gather my thoughts on it and how much it affects our society. I mean fat phobia is everywhere. It's like pointing out the carbon in the atmosphere. Invisible, increasingly abundant, killing all of us and making some podcast about it gets us nowhere. It just feels helpless, you know what I mean? Sorry, the poem's over. That was the poem. Uh, the, the It Feels Hopeless is not part of the poem, but it probably could be, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> the, the it's just been frustrating, and I, I, I don't... And here's the other thing. I there's another poem on here. Um, uh, I just been so frustrated. Um, this poem's called Dumbo, and uh, here it is. Uh, I've just been trying to figure it out. How is it that a community hell-bent on correcting everyone's personal views on sexuality, gender, race, class, patriarchy, you name it, is completely unaware and unwilling to acknowledge the many elephants in the waiting room? Elephants like me, fat tranny asshole, waiting in literal waiting rooms for years and years before GRS surgery. Elephants like sex and gender on drag race, making all the AMAB trans people less of a boundary to break than the AFAB. Elephants like class and wealth and how it is distributed across the queer community unevenly. How is it that those elephants are taboo while all the other elephants are cute? How many tricks do I have to learn before I'm thought of as intelligent, social, sexual, reverent, spiritual creature? How many bow ties does it take before they let Dumbo into the circus? <sighs> Man, I've been pissed. I've been pissed. You know, sometimes I, I, I sometimes I write. I, I write a lot of fat poems. I write a lot of fat, fat perspective poems. I write a lot about body, and body neutrality, and body negativity. I write a lot of body negativity. <laughs> and I, I'm not pro negativity. I'm anti, anti the body shamers. And there, there was some article I read the other day. I should just tag it in the description or something I fucking I don't know man but like uh, it was talking about they did a study and there were two groups of people who were it was the exercise it was the same exercise study the exercise study I already linked it in the, the Facebook page you can see it but the the exercise talked about uh, two groups the exercise study I should say one was a group of people who used words like calories, counting, who were taking diaries, who were, who were um, piecing together their workout by how many calories they were burning. 
and then there were people who were doing exercise for the sake of exercise and they just enjoyed it and they didn't use words and they didn't count calories um, the people who didn't count calories and the people who didn't uh, see exercise as a calculated methodical uh, statistical uh, thing that they need to manage um, they called those people non-body shapers and then the people who called, who were in the c calorie counting, uh, uh, regiment forming people, those were people were called body shapers. And the body shapers, they had less success sticking to their exercise programs, and they had less weight loss. The group that identified that they identified that they categorized as non-body shapers. Those people lost more weight and stuck to their exercise programs and didn't see it as a punishment. And this is, you know, this is the thing. Body positivity, body negativity, body neutrality. What are everything is just body, body, body. We're talking about positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, or no reinforcement. These are, you know what I mean? These are not no reinforcement. Neutrality is just, uh, is, uh, is focusing on function over appearance. That's what I understand the body neutrality movement to be, which I, I understand that. But I think that body positivity has space for, you know, like to be honest, the, the introduction of body neutrality should be a red flag that people are misunderstanding the body positivity movement. The number one red flag to me that people are misunderstanding the body positivity movement is that they think that people are gaining weight on purpose and that they think that they are against dieting. So there is something that I see that the dieting is violence tribe those people are talking about a very real very serious issue and people dismiss that so thoroughly that it's you know I I, I will I'm gonna put it out there extreme dieting is violence and it, you don't have to be an obese person to participate in extreme dieting it is a form of self-harm anorexia is a form of self-harm um, eating disorders are a form of self-harm Obese people, super morbidly obese people, can develop and display anorexic habits. They can develop and display bulimic habits. People who are of size have the same eating disorder patterns as people who are not of size. People who are underweight can be binge eating disorder people just the same as people who are super morbidly obese. So... I keep I keep tiptoeing around, keep tiptoeing around Reddit. To be honest, that Reddit needs its own whole episode. I know I say that about a lot of things, but this is real though. Reddit needs its own episode. I I have quite a bit of uh, observations. Observations of popular thought on Reddit is one of my favorite posts that I've done in a while. Um, if you think that there are 
communities of fat people who encourage overeating that that hang out and binge eat all together if you think that that exists i encourage you to go read my post of observations and popular thought on reddit um i don't think that uh this fat enablist because that's the thing um you know how you know how men's rights people uh, mislabel feminism as a man-hating movement in order to uh, put it down and in order to make other people wary and against feminism. Um, body negative people, uh, body negative people, they are trying to do a con- they're running a non-stop smear campaign on body positivity. Um, they they really want um, body positivity to be about overeating and gaining weight and not listening to your doctor. That's what they want it to be about because that is the version of the world that makes the most sense to them because they've never listened to a fat perspective. Which reminds me, <laughs> I should br- brief interlude here real quick. Um, there's a really funny poem I wrote a while ago that I, this is, <laughs> this is one of my favorites. Hold on. This is my response to, uh, a lot on the internet, but this poem is called, am I the first fat person you've accidentally met? Correct. <laughs> Some of these comments, it's like, folks, am I the first fat thoughts you've ever read am i the first fat person you've accidentally met or have you just been teaching everyone fat like this so much your life you can't read a poem on the internet without feeling the need to correct it (laughs) man that's just the fucking truth i mean People are so triggered by body positivity. The the fat negative people are so triggered. They really, they don't, they can't even imagine a universe in which someone as fat as I am hasn't considered, you know what I mean, the supposed hard truths that I don't know. The, the, the hard truths that were shoved down my throat as a child. You know what I mean? Why am I, why am I a lesbian? Because I got face fucked by fat phobia my whole fucking life. God damn, that's a good poem right there. Jesus Christ. I tell you, it's just, it's fucking irritating to me. It's fucking irritating to me that you can't even go on the internet and journal about fat experience without people telling you to go kill yourself. I think that that should be a big thing. You know, I see a lot of time trans creators are, uh, some of them are, are brand new to misogyny and they talk about it. And I love that because they, they're, they're highlighting misogyny as it happens to them. My only complaint is that they seem to make a, a big distinction between trans misogyny and regular misogyny when in fact um, you know these lines are blurred depending on who you're talking to so it just kind of just it just depends like I think that they experience misogyny but they 
they just they are trans women so they're like what i'm experiencing is unique to trans women it's like well actually like you can find a woman who's experienced what you just went through and and pretty much every neighborhood street you know what i mean it's not it's not very uncommon the sort of shit that women go through but anyway what i find astounding is that uh there are some narratives that are sympathized with. There are some some narratives that that people uh, shuck their pity at, and people seem to think that that's what I'm after. And I I don't really understand that because you know like I am quite literally just talking about what happens to me. You know the same way that. Uh, the same way that that people are bullied for being gay people are bullied for being fat and just because some fat people lose weight and pass as not fat for the rest of their lives doesn't mean that they were never fat and it also doesn't give them the okay go to be as fat phobic as possible you know I'll, I'm just gonna I think it's because of then it's the same narrative that makes everybody else do it, but there seems to be a lot of diabetics and uh, ex-fat people who are the most fatphobic. I, I don't really understand. Um, I mean, I guess it would make sense, like, if you were fat because of overeating and then you stopped overeating and then you lost the weight, then that would make sense. But, like, I have Cushing syndrome. And a lot of other people do, too. Also, um, did you know that blood pressure medicine makes your metabolism very slow? Also, uh, so there's all sorts of different things that perpetuate the problem. And um, I see so many parallels between the fat experience and the trans experience you know there are trans people who really have a transformative experience on HRT so much so that it's it's unbelievable how much they pass and there are some people that have incredible luck with surgery and incredible luck with hormones and pass so much that they have you know basically no insecurities and there are trans people who have surgery and have hormones and are hormones their whole lives who never pass and i i will say that i don't really want to like you know start anything but i'm just going to point out that there are there are people that have conflict with that there are people who are in the heavy passing crowd that are like anybody that feels bad about themselves is just it's just it's it's only in their head and they're all just just weaker trans people who are pussies because anybody who doesn't feel 100% the way that they identify is is just a fucking pussy and it's like well what about you know what i mean like there are there are some of us that never pass like, what do we do about those people do we just tell them that they need to keep working on their appearance until they pass as a cure for their gender dysphoria? Or is there some sort of realistic alternative that involves self-acceptance 
that involves community uh, support that doesn't involve the cutting and the hating and the shaming of of the most diverse person in the room. Am I sort? Am I making any sense to anybody? That's exactly what people do to fat people. <laughs> you don't have to be trans in order to in order to in order to be denied surgery, in order to be denied health care. You don't need to be trans in order to, to have any of these transphobic experiences. You don't need to be trans in order to be killed. You don't need to be trans in order to be uh, ostracized by your family. Um, and you don't need to be trans in order to be ostracized by society. You can do that, all that, just fine, just being fat. Um, that's the way the fucking world works. And yes, there are fat people who lose the weight and who keep it off. And those people tend to spend the rest of their lives managing their weight. And that is the side of the conversation that I don't see anybody having, is that when you are fat, you either have to do something about it or you have to do something about it. There's no other choice. So, you know, I, of course, choose to do something about it because there's no fucking choice. But what I am confused by is the ignorance and the reductiveness and the contempt of the people who don't have this problem. Uh, it feels a lot like transphobia except uh, fat phobia. You know what I mean? I kind of want to call this episode at the intersection of fat and trans, but to be honest, if I'm going to go with the format of all my past episodes, I would put it as fat phobia. And that would be, this would be my, this would be my, this would be the episode that I discuss fat phobia in its many forms. But I, 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 you know, to, it's a, it's the intersection of fat and trans. That's what that's what the episode is. I might call it fat phobia simply for SEO reasons, but um, I don't know. It's it's just bad. I I think um, I think eventually here people are gonna understand. It might take uh, decades. It might take decades, but I might not be alive, but it's, I'll, it will happen eventually. People will eventually understand, um, that fat people do not deserve to be judged based on their weight alone. And eventually here, people are going to understand the complexities of fat discrimination it's not simply just you know you you need to buy an extra seat on the airplane that's not that's not what fat discrimination is um you know i see again we're gonna have to we're just gonna have to have like a whole reddit episode but i see a lot of crazy shit on reddit and um uh the Nikado avocado stuff, for example, you know, like fat phobia is so pervasive and so popular that you can literally turn yourself into a fat meme for money and people will watch you self-destruct for money. That's just, that's what you, that's what, that's what 
people people hate fat people so much that they'll tune into that show and pay top dollar um yeah so i it's depressing it's depressing that um people have decided that the uh circumference of your body says absolutely everything about you absolutely everything that there is to know about you and whether or not they would want to be with you whether or not you they would want to uh eat with you or spend time with you or sit near you um it's disturbing it's disturbing how much contempt is encouraged for fat bodies so much so that you know as a person with a fat body i can't comfortably even make an episode about fat phobia without both being afraid of the backlash and also being afraid of being fat phobic in my own episode you know i, I undeniably it's 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 inevitable you know just you know all i'm going to say is like um don't read everything there is to know about somebody based on their fucking face and their fat that's all i got to say just don't do it and um, a fat person doesn't need to be a fat, happy stereotype in order to be seen as like a, a, a member of the, the community. You know, in order to fit in as a, as a fat person, you basically have to participate in the fat version of blackface uh, on yourself. You have to put yourself in fat face in order to, to, to pass socially. You have to fit the narrative of what the fat person does and what the fat person says. Otherwise, people are going to pick apart everything you say anyway. That's the truth. When I eat lunch, people comment on how healthy it is. They can't fucking believe it. They can't fucking believe it. You know what I can believe? How fucking stupid and fat phobic everybody is. That's what I can believe. But yeah, do I call this fat phobia? I don't know. It deserves to be called at the intersection of fat and trans. Also, what the hell kind of music do you even put to this? I'm I'm gonna come back with. A, I need to make. I, there's a, there's a couple very pressing things. Very very pressing things. I need to make a turf update episode. Obviously, um, we need to talk about the Dave Chappelle special. We need to talk about J.K. Rowling's uh, increasing vigilance uh, against uh, against trans people. It's become, you know, not very uh, subtle at all. So I probably need to have follow-up episodes on that, and that would be nice because Dave Chappelle and, and J.K. can share an episode. And then I also, I really need to have an episode about how uh, top surgery went, maybe, potentially, I don't know. 
you nah. can just read my I don't know I don't know I, I, I'm up in the air about doing the even talking about the top surgery to be honest I will say that um, if you need a suggestion for somebody who does high BMA top surgeries, you know your guy. I am your guy. Go ahead and send me in an email. Becky with the good hair, M-A-I at gmail.com. Uh, it's Becky, W-T-G-H, M-A-I at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, turns out there's a lot of mad about it and a lot of Beckys. It's fucking obnoxious. Also, somebody tried to somebody tried to make a podcast mad about it. I couldn't even believe it. There's if you go to like if there's another mad about it, you know what I mean? I thought about making like a new podcast just with like a totally different direction. Mostly because like so much shit is still messed up from the original iTunes. Something about being like a very small podcast means iTunes doesn't update any of your shit no, for no fucking reason, no matter what. So I've been frustrated with that. Thinking about just like jumping ship, starting a new podcast. But then it's like, you know, how would I, how would I, I guess I would just have lots of redirects, but like, I don't even know. It sounds annoying. I don't want to set up all those fucking redirects. Ugh. All right. Well, yeah, I don't know. I guess there's so much fat phobia. It's hard. It's just hard to. It's just hard to be like. It's it's you know I I could keep going for like six more hours, but I don't want to. I want to go and I want to go have have a day. This is my day off, so I want to have it. All right, we'll talk later. Bye. But I. I left too soon. I forgot. If you can't accept that fat people are ostracized and treated as queer, uh, then you should be able to accept and acknowledge the way that weight is used within the queer community to discriminate against people. As a lesbian, my weight was always kind of proof of why I was a lesbian. Like, oh, well, you're a lesbian because you're fat and ugly and super masculine and no man would ever want you. And now, for some reason, as a trans man, my weight is proof of my femininity and proof of why I am not really a man and I need to lose weight in order to pass as one, which I find ridiculous considering how unbelievably fat my dad is that's all I gotta say but it's just you have to be able to see people's truths as something other than emotional manipulations and it's a white supremacist idea that the queer community has really embraced um, and I think that it's just the fact that there are a lot of people in the queer community that are just really fucking stupid and, and bigoted. That's just there. You know what I mean? Like when you're depressed and anxious and and you're hiding part of yourself your whole life, you don't, you don't have a lot of mental energy for other things. Um, some of us, <laughs> some of us end up turning into monsters, you know, 
there's like literally a, a trope of a gay male serial killer. That's a trope. Um, anyway. So yeah, I, I find the comments that I shouldn't be talking about fat issues that I got. Somebody sent me a message. They were like, I liked your podcast and I really, I tuned in and I really liked everything about your podcast until you started talking about fat issues. And to be honest, it's not that I didn't want to respond. It's that I needed to be in the right space of night frame of mind to not be so haunted from all of my past and continuous traumas associated with my weight, associated with how I'm treated in society because of my weight, associated with the medical malpractice that I have experienced. Um, it really, it makes me the mistreatment that I've experienced at the hands of doctors and at the hands of healthcare professionals. Um, uh, have you ever been fat shamed while having a spinal tap? That's That was fun. That was a great time. Um, I loved the moment where I got measured for uh, surgery, for my thyroid surgery, and the lady, uh, the lady fat shamed my neck size before thyroid surgery and told me that I needed to to wake up right before I was being put to sleep <laughs> you know like the idea that I somehow don't know the idea that fat people somehow don't know I will say that it does seem like some men some men are privileged enough to be able to be in denial about their weight but I really, I don't know, I thought that before because they don't let it bother them. I think that's the difference. I don't think it's that fat men don't experience fat discrimination. I think that it's considered feminine to complain about fucking anything. And that you're not allowed to complain about fat discrimination as a man. You're just supposed to either embrace yourself, try to convince everybody that it's muscle, or hate yourself or make self-depreciating comments about yourself all the time and then you know when you turn around and lose the weight you're supposed to have some sort of like 180 in self-esteem and that's another thing this parallel between the fat and the trans experience that i see everywhere is the performative happiness the performative uh, arrival and it is true I have arrived, it's true, I am better than I've ever been, it's true, I am stronger than I've ever been, otherwise I wouldn't be able to make this fucking episode, but, um, to say that losing weight alone will cure your weight anxiety is ridiculous, and that is the message that I have been given over and over and over and over and over again. You have a problem with the way society treats you and your weight. You need to take responsibility and you need to change. You have a problem with not being able to live your life to the fullest. You need to take responsibility and you need to change. You have a problem with their gender assigned at birth. You need to take responsibility and you need to change. Um, that only helps so much. If the environment that you're in is extremely transphobic, 
surgery and hormones are not enough to help you with that transphobia it will your gender dysphoria will not be alleviated what alleviates gender dysphoria the most in my lived experience the only thing that's helped me with my gender dysphoria is having a camera off work from home job where everybody treats me like a born cis male what you know what i mean like the surgery that i had was for my own personal business and if anything it negatively affected my work uh performance so that made me anxious you know what i mean (laughs) um but what has helped my gender dysphoria the most the social construct that i live in accepting me for who i am the surgery and the medical intervention the cisgender passing this helps other people treat me correctly. But what what makes a difference? My environment. That's what helps fight transphobia. A trans-inclusive environment. A supportive, nurturing, welcoming community is what helps and alleviates gender dysphoria. So why do people expect fat people to lose weight and get over themselves and get over all of what happened to them and get over their entire lives and reframe it as some sort of positive thing? I have personal experiences. My ex, my ex is a personal trainer still and was a personal trainer when we were together and we would work out five days a week together. And she would verbally and emotionally abuse me on a regular basis because she would verbally and emotionally abuse herself on a regular basis. And she saw that as motivation to lose weight. And she was somewhat successful with losing weight. And she really over-exaggerates how successful she was because now it's her personal business to do such a thing. It's her personal, it's her free time to do such a thing. Um... I don't, I don't have a thing against personal trainers. What I have a thing against is performative, insincere, uh, inauthentic living and inauthentic uh, performative happiness for the sake of taking money from people. You know what I mean? Like if, if people have problems with uh, cor- corporations for, for these large problems, but what about just... What about people who are selling false promises just in general, just cult leaders in general? And to be honest, the cult of diet and exercise is selling you false promises. And I lived with uh, a nonstop barrage of fatphobic encouragement. If <laughs> in big quotations around the encouragement, if 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 that sort of talking, if that sort of negativity, if that sort of shame, if that sort of harsh truth constant and all-consuming was helpful to anyone then she would be a hell of a lot thinner than she is not to mention i would be fucking i would i would be like negative 60 pounds (laughs) like if shame contributed to weight loss i would be weightless so i i don't know how people don't see the parallels between fat queer and trans i don't see how people don't see that 
Um, the same way I don't see how people don't see the parallels between all the civil rights plights. But fat is the next civil rights plight. That's what I expect to happen here eventually. That's what I expect for people to understand here eventually is that fat people are not whining. Fat people are speaking their truth and you're putting the wine into our mouths. And that sounds like a weird uh, drinking song of sorts. But I, I don't really, uh, I don't expect everybody to understand. I guess I'll end that. I'll end all this with that. I don't expect everyone to understand, but I do expect um, a little bit of consideration to go on, you know, before you blow up my inbox with a bunch of hate. That would be nice. I've already been through enough, and facts are facts. If you want me to not be so fat, you should stop fucking making me hate myself that's like <laughs> just stop doing it just stop just stop you know what I mean like it's hilarious to me the idea of the enabled body positive you know what I mean like this 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 parody is like is like the man hating feminist that that I I don't really it doesn't even if they existed it wouldn't even matter that's the truth you know what I mean if they existed it wouldn't even matter I just don't get it. Anyway, ta-ta, mwah-mwah.